welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We are back for another week, a slightly less traumatic episode, we hope, than the last one we put out. Um, We've just had Unite Round in the A-Leagues. We're obviously going to be talking about it with a bit of an A-League women's slam, but we can't wait to crack in, talk about the incredible games we saw, but also the weekend as a whole, because obviously lots of people have lots of takes about it, and we are people with takes about it as well. So before we begin today's chat, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today, you've got me, Marissa Lordanik, Sam Lewis, Anna Harrington, and Angela Christian Wilkes. So let's begin with some you love to see it. Sam, what did you love to see from this weekend? So there were a number of cracking games across Unite Round, which is awesome, and we'll get into them in a second. But one thing that I always love to see is a really good assist, and I think the one that really takes the chocolates over this Unite Round was Princess Sabini's assist for Courtney Vine's winner against Western United. Princess hasn't really been having a great season, particularly compared to seasons past, but I feel like she makes up for everything with this assist. It was like a perfectly weighted curling over the top sort of through ball that cut through Western United's two center backs for a zipping Courtney Vine, who was like just ghosting in behind everybody and just gets a little touch on a shin pad and which I was able to get over Hillary Beale and into the net. And it was an amazing assist. It was a, a particularly in light of the um, sort of the ebb and flow of the game, Western United really had the upper hand in this game. I thought um, until that assist and it really turned around. So yeah, it's it was an amazing um, amazing moment for Princess, who's wearing the captain arm, captain's armband this season in um, place of Nat Tobin, who's out with an ACL, and it also meant that Sydney FC has jumped into the top four as well for the first time this season. So Princess Sabini showing up when she needs to. Love to see it. Harrow, what um, did you love to see from this weekend? Uh, my love to see it was Serena Bolden's goal for the Jets. Um, this is a belter. Um, Bolden's been in awesome form, um, just completely sparked them in attack. Um, this one, she's involved, then makes the run forward. But the real highlight of this goal was Gas Davis out of nowhere pulling out a back heel assist to put the ball back into the path of Serena Bolden, who so coolly just goes and finishes the work. Um, but I love when, like, sort of your not flashy players, your reliable stalwarts pull out things like this, um, just reminding everyone that, yes, they are very good at football. So the Cass Davis assist into the Serena Bolden goal, love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. And Angela, what did you love to see from this weekend? It will come as a shock to no one that I love to see Michelle Heyman score her 100th and then her 101st goal um, in the A-League women. Uh, This was in the Canberra... Adelaide game the the hundredth goal she equalized this was shortly yeah let's not talk about the goal Adelaide got because that was chaotic areas for Canberra but anyway it was it it all went well in the end it was a 3-1 win Michelle Heyman's goal it was just so her she like rounded the defender drew the keeper just that little bit and then placed it so perfectly and I think it's just the way a lot of her goals are so understated, but you would, would imagine for a lot of players, they just kind of like thwonk that shot into the goalkeeper. But her finishing is always just like so beautiful. And yeah, we'll talk more about the importance of this moment. But yeah, it was so fantastic to see that at Leichhardt. And 
me and Marissa were like down on the kind of the concourse with a bunch of people from Woso Twitter and we were all kind of there for that and it was just like a lot of fun and also shout out to the Canberra United fan who gave me Heyman on a stick um, with the express instru- instructions like when she scores we have to wave our Heymans um, and so there's definitely that features in some of the the um, coverage of the game as well and yeah all the celebrations afterwards ah you love to see it well done to Michelle Heyman. Heyman Hundo, we made it. Heyman on a stick. <laughs> oh no. Anyway. All right, but as we said, the main focus of this week's pod is Unite Round, the inaugural Unite Round. Lots of uniting, lots of rounding. Um, so I suppose we've got to have a chat about what we thought of it. Uh, myself, Angela and Sam all experienced it um, to some extent. So keen on your thoughts and Harry will obviously get your thoughts from afar as well as like what it looked like from home. But Sam, what did you make of the round as a whole? Yeah, look, I I think when we talk about this, it's kind of important to keep in mind what the purpose of Unite Round was. Um Originally, it was kind of designed almost by accident. It was the APL's agreement with Destination New South Wales and the whole grand final debacle. They obviously had a contract that was in place, which they could modify, but they couldn't get rid of entirely. So the idea of effectively a magic round for the A-Leagues was, um, let's just say, um, borrowed from Rugby League. Uh, and the NRL, and it was it was translated to here. Um, when it was first announced, I think people were pretty excited, you know, especially in light of the fact that it was the first ever um, sort of sporting initiative where both the men's and women's competitions were played at the same time in the same city across the same weekend. That was always really cool. But the logistics of it always sort of stuck in my mind. Like, how would this actually work? What was the... Um, the sort of the, the the bigger picture, the bigger vision in terms of like how are people, how are fans encouraged to go from game to game? Um, like is there sort of, are there activations or events or other things happening around the games to get like new people really involved and interested? So now that we've kind of experienced it and now that it's washed over me, I feel like it was kind of a partial success and you can kind of see the way in which it can get better. Um, some really fundamental ways, which I think Angela can can speak to as well. Um, and yeah, for me, look, I I didn't I I went to the the games at Leichhardt, um, Leichhardt Oval in the Inner West, which is a great little ground. It's perfect for A League women um, games and crowds. But there wasn't really much happening. It was kind of just the games. Like there wasn't any sort of like clear merchandise stand. There wasn't really any sort of cool events or other things happening in in or around the ground. Um, and it was it was really tricky to kind of figure out how how you were going to get there because Leichhardt is public transport wise kind of in the middle of nowhere. So you really did have to catch a bus or know someone who lived in Sydney to drive you there. And then trying to get from like game to game as well. Like if you wanted to go from from one game to another, um, a, a women's and a men's, for example, like that was pretty much impossible because there were men's games that were scheduled out in Moore Park or out in Parramatta and it would just take too long between them to, to be able to get to them. So, yeah, I don't know. I've seen some feedback and some people asking 
you know, maybe next time this happens, would it be worth just picking two stadiums and having all of the games played in those two stadiums back to back to back to back to back, including men's and women's? I don't know the, what the um, the sort of impact on the fields would be in terms of that, but yeah, I don't know. It just it it kind of just it felt like a bit of a draft version of of Unite Round. You know what I mean? Like they really hadn't ironed out the the wrinkles yet. They clearly ran into some issues. Um, there was meant to be, for example, a, a live side that was set up for the Socceroos um, against India Asian Cup game in Sydney, which, uh, you know, lots of Unite Round fans were encouraged to attend. And then it turned out that actually that didn't end up being shown because the, the, the screen got flooded or something and it didn't end up working. So everyone was kind of just like ra- rapidly shuffled to a nearby pub. But like, see, this Sam, is what I mean. Can, like, I, yeah. can I say just briefly? Blessing in disguise if you saw the first half of that Socceroos match. Oh, my God, yeah. It was the universe really saying, you know what, don't bother, actually. Don't bother with this. You Second know, half, much better. But, but if you yeah. get into the pub in the first half, don't feel like you need to go back and watch the replay. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I really loved seeing um, the number of people travelling from interstate to come to this game, uh, to, this, to this round, rather, sorry. Um, it was really great seeing basically the whole of Voiso Twitter in the one spot. That was really fun. But yeah, I just, I feel like it could have been more. Like you can see what they're trying to do, but they haven't really done it yet. So yeah, but I did love seeing, having two dub games back to back. That was, that was fun just in in and of itself. But what do you guys think? I think the, um, the, Leichhardt, the doubleheaders, the women's doubleheaders at Leichhardt were great. Like were great. The venue choice was great. Um, like you said, Sam, it's a great venue for um, A-League women's crowds because um, those who might not be familiar, uh, it's like got lots of open space. Like if you've got kids that need to be feral for a bit or, you know, growing adults on your podcast. Um, and then like a great stand uh and uh, like it's it's compact as well so with the the western sydney uh city game that marissa and i went to um last night it was that whole thing of like it's a it's a beautiful big stadium but it was just not really able to contain the vibe even with the efforts of um some some great lads behind the goal for western sydney who did not let up they were persistent in bringing the vibes the entire game so shout out to those guys um but i think for me my concern around unite round is like yes this was a draft version it wasn't perfect that's fine but i'm just stressed that there's not going to be commitment to improving it because this has kind of come about in weird circumstances and i feel like it could be something really really great if there's just um, a commitment to listening to what people are now saying and the feedback that they're giving and we're not going to make everyone happy but that's never going to happen in the league generally you know like there's going to have to be decisions where some people lose but there's just like quite simple things um I think the main thing that I feel that maybe not everyone agrees with is I'm like just get rid of the men's and women's double headers because you're with the um the women's double headers it was very much and we were talking about this yesterday Marissa and, and the one man merch machine it's like you it works because 
fans are fans of the league and they're fans of women's football and they're fans of particular players that might play for other teams. And so we had um, mates of ours who were doing like jersey changes between the two games um, to show their support for different teams and for different players. And that that's just like a thing that is great about women's football and a real asset. And I think you can play into that by having more games from the league in the one spot. And that's also something I loved about this weekend as well. Like, like we got to see so much football, live football of all the teams in the league and you just don't get that opportunity very often or if ever. Um, but on the other side of that, I think the the funny anecdote for the men's side of things was having, what, four different teams in the Adelaide active bay, away bay, sorry, um, singing fuck off Sydney FC. Like the fan bases are just different and they're going to be uh, – finding joy in different things and that's great and like I support the A-League men's fans to have their fun and um you know experience fandom in the way that they do but I just don't think that like the double headers what like it's just that whole thing of like in general of I don't need to be visually like reminded while I'm at a double header that like there's so many people that don't give a shit about women's football and also, to be fair as well, the way that the fixturing worked, there wasn't even like an organic kind of way for, you know, say a fan of Western Sydney to then stay and see their men's team afterwards or, or whatever. Do you see what I mean? Like this, it was basically every single set of two games was like four completely different teams. But I'm like, yes, keep it to just four women's teams. Fantastic. Loved it men's women's double headers been it can it from my perspective um or like you said sam like try and uh localize the venues that you're working with so people can mix and match and it's a bit easier to do that but at the same time it's like logistically i get that it's very hard there's a limitation on the kind of venues that we can work with here which comes to my other main point which is just like planning like if there was clear thought and execution of Unite Round, I feel like it could be really good again. And I'm like, that just requires commitment to actually making it a good thing and planning ahead. Like, for example, why were there no merch stands? I don't understand that. And you could probably just put that down to people being like, well, oh, the clubs, like, we didn't tell them or like, oh, we just, I don't care. Like, all of that stuff is fixable. If you're actually putting in your eCal two months ahead, mm, think about this. Yeah, think about the merch. And also, I feel like it's not a big sell to be like, mm, people want to actually buy merch at an event like this. And this is not even to take into consideration. There wasn't like generic Unite Round merch, which a friend of mine pointed out. She's like, you would think with the fact that there's no Matilda's jerseys like basically for sale anywhere, that would be such a good opportunity for, you know, been green and gold. parents to just like play just here this is a unite round like christmas present t-shirt like they would sell it's like again it's that whole thing of like this would work it's just like it hasn't been thought through similarly with like the kind of marissa we were a bit confused about like what the theme of unite round was because they kind of seemed to do a like almost multicultural twist but it was very last minute and it didn't like it wasn't promoted very widely and the fact that I'm even confused about it means that it probably wasn't like done particularly well again lack of planning um so it's just like and then like yeah just thinking through fixtures and that kind of thing a bit better 
like there was some great stuff and I, I I'm definitely of the opinion like just if there's it could be a lot better um but it definitely wasn't something like it wasn't it wasn't bad I had a really good time and I think it kind of made it the but it does come back to what Sam said about like the purpose of the round what are we doing here and what do we want out of it and presumably for the APL and for tourism in New South Wales is to make money and so this is always <laughs> that they could do that I think just by like targeting the two leagues fan bases but again I think that goes like then that would mean admitting that we're not going to have the kind of unity and um you know the the vision of the a-leagues that that was promoted when it first came to be when they changed to a-league women like that that would mean admitting that that's not going to work but I'll leave that to the the leaders of the APL to work through for themselves. But anyway, um, yeah. What else? Did I, I like the t-shirt cannons. I did like the t-shirt. Yeah, cannons. you made that very clear. Your thoughts on the t-shirt cannons. <laughs> I should have called them Double t-shirt cannons. Cloths, but anyway, very good, very good. Um, and I also liked that I got to see all of the mascots. But I'm like, if you could bring your mascot to you know, it's a terrifying city while there. The whale was not there. Um, Ticker, I don't like him. I, I don't like Jetman and I don't like Jet Girl. I don't like mascots that are human, but at least I got to see them to feel that way. <laughs> you know? Um, well, if you see the controversial whale, thing. The, the whale, what is it? The whale's like, oh, I won't say that on the Mickey Mouse book, but there's some jokes about the whale and um, substances that looks like <laughs> anyway um we haven't even mentioned the most cooked mascot which is the perth glory gorilla that's oh, your worst I mascot don't... cursed I've sorry made to the glory gorilla. it's very 90s of the uh, gorilla oh, what's the raw mascot it's just a lion maybe angela could do a pod Rating all the mascots, and our listeners can listen to it. Mascot ranking time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. I can do that. I'm happy to. There's some controversial yeah. opinions in this in this house about Marvin. I like. I really like Marvin. My dad thinks Marvin's pathetic. Um, and we'll <laughs> you don't back mess with Marvin. Oh my god! I can't find anything on the internet to tell me what Marvin actually is. Uh, like a mariner, isn't he? Like works on the. Like, in the central coast, I guess. <laughs> like a fucking Viking or something. Um, he's a, a, a Sydney commuter. Um, he spends many hours on the train. Takes no, the ferry, um, actually. <laughs> cute. Anyway, I have oh. taken us off track. But yes, you really have. Round, too long, didn't read. I really hope that they work on it and try and. Um, you know, just make some little tweaks and I think that it could be really good, but it will be interesting to see. And also just while I'm, what is it? Digging the boots in? Is that the expression? I can't remember. Um, speaking around planning, A-Leagues, when is Pride Round going to happen? Uh-huh. When is Pride Round? It's like that whole thing of like, we still don't know when that's happening. And I'm keen. Or if it's And happening. I would plan on it. Or if it's happening, if they can Pride Round, oh boy. Oh boy, there will be some um, 
movement online and possibly in person about that. So it's again, it's that whole thing of like, we've got stuff, it's fun, just plan it and promote it. And it, she'll be right. Anyway, so, you know, I, I will go again, I would say. Marissa, did you have anything that I haven't covered in that garble winning mascot thoughts? No, I think my main takeaway was just the need for really deliberate planning with the fixture, as you guys have both mentioned about maximising it and then obviously ensuring fairness because obviously home teams and home fans have every right to feel aggrieved about losing home games to Unite Round. Um, I know that like Michelle Heyman, there was a lot of chatter about the fact that, you know, this game was meant to be at McKellar, so she would have broken the 100-goal milestone at McKellar and there was some chat about that. So I think, like, there are ways around it. Um, it just requires a lot more deliberate planning fixture-wise. Um, my thing is, yeah, I've been I, – I went, like, full Carrie Bradshaw. I was just, like, asking rhetorical questions and pondering things while looking out my window um, about what we do with this weekend and how we make it better. Um, and I think my main sticking point is how do we make it fun for everyone when not everyone wants to have fun this way, which is a really weird way of saying that. But, like, for example, we really enjoyed going to a doubleheader of two dub games that did not include teams we supported because we just like going to the dub and it's a fun day out and you sit with your friends and if there happens to be a hill, you have a great time, you have some drinks, it's a beautiful day, you watch some good football. We had so much fun. Like it was a really fun couple of games. But there's also people who don't want to support football like that and I think there were points about, especially like with the men's side of the game, the tribalism that is so like so important to the game doesn't really mesh well with the concept of the Unite round even when we have situations where, you know, all of the other fans end up in the away bay to Unite against Sydney, which um, I thought was very funny. But it's like how, how do we kind of appeal to all of those people? Can we appeal to all of those people? I don't know. That's an APL problem to figure out, but... Um, yeah, for me personally, I also thought it was a fun weekend. I approached it as it's not the World Cup, but it's as close to World Cup football as you kind of can get in the sense that, like, you just go to a random game because you're in town and you can and it's fun. Um, it reminds me of, you know, like I remember with the Men's World Cup in Qatar, like whatever game was starting at 9pm, that was my game. It was like Switzerland-Iran. I've always loved Switzerland and Iran. I'm watching that. Let's fucking go. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of questions for the APL to answer. I don't have the answers. I have lots of questions for them, though, if they need uh, like building blocks to kind of break down and figure out. I think um, it's interesting, right? I think the way you talk about the the dub atmosphere and people just enjoying the neutral games does actually kind of embody what people, from what I've been told, people who went to Gather Round in the AFL or Magic Round in the NRL, it was that vibe of I just want to watch good footy and do it with my mates and have beers and for it to be really easy. I think ease is one thing um, and Sam touched on it as well. I think throwing Combank into the mix as much as it's a great stadium did complicate things in that matter. I think one thing that works quite well. And to be fair, in Adelaide, I know they had a couple of games with with, um, with Gather Round that were a bit further out and that sort of thing as well. But I think it is 
about the logistics and not expecting people to go to Moore Park and then out to Para or, you know, to Leichhardt and then to Para. You know, like just having your combinations of stadiums really strong, like whether and, – and there's also limitations in the sense that you can't have too many matches on these pitches in a day because you can't be cutting up the surface, right? So then you just would have an absolutely shocking exhibition. I think there's clearly some tweaks, and I don't need to get bang on about it because you guys have touched on it to iron out in terms of the schedule to make it as um, fan-friendly as possible. But I think what you guys really hit the nail on the head was was the experience for fans and um, smoothing the edges in that regard. Like, I didn't go to Unite Round. I've been working between the Socceroos, and I'm also working at the Australian Open, which I think is obviously a lot more money involved in that. Like, I reckon that's the top tier as far as fan experience goes in terms of having a sporting event and making the vibe work around that like people go and don't even sometimes go into the tennis courts at the australian open right because there's so much going on i'm not expecting them to have these big sponsors and big you know setups because the australian open is a global you know multi-million dollar event um but i think it would be a bit rich to suggest that the alternative is practically nothing right um i think merch stands was a must i think they had to nail that um, I think whether it was Unite Round specifically or club merch, I think it's a missed opportunity. Like when you go to the Australian Open, um, you see so many kids, for example, just in those like AO tops or like really simple merch, like not necessarily expensive. It doesn't have to be a jersey. It can be T-shirts. I think you look at the way that I know you wore your Mackenzie Arnold T-shirt, Marissa, those sorts of bits of fan gear. Have. Like I felt like a lot of people were there to watch Courtney Vine, for example, and obviously she scored like, Take advantage, have Vine Time stuff ready to go, have Michelle Heyman, like Heyman Hundo stuff ready to go, like have some of these things so people can mark the occasion. I think um, I, I recognise budgets are tight, but I think you've got to capitalise. Sometimes you do have to spend a bit of money to make a bit of money, right? And um, I think it was a really, yeah, maybe a missed opportunity in that regard. I think the idea of playing somewhere like Leichhardt was fantastic. And I've, in my head, I'm thinking, were you doing that in Melbourne? It would probably be a home of the Matildas or a, you know, South Melbourne Lakeside Stadium sort of thing. And you could see people getting around that and watching back-to-back dub games, especially if you've got Matildas involved. Again, I, I still feel like the league can market harder on the fact that there's Matildas in particular um, in these um, in these games, or the you know the next Matildas, that sort of thing. Yeah, and I think it's just making sure that, and I, I noticed with the games as well, like almost the the Perth Wellington men's game almost felt like a bit of an afterthought, played in front of not too many people in the end, maybe because it's the, the late game and that sort of thing. But yeah, I, I just feel like there's a lot of um, kinks to iron out of it. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. There's it can still work. Um, but yeah, it's, they're just going to have to really knuckle down and figure out exactly how to nail it because I think it can be a success if they can work out the scheduling and everything that goes on around it. As much as it failed because of the um, the big screen issues, I think it was a good idea to have the Socceroos live site. I thought that was a really good idea. Um, and if in the future, if it, you know, under international breaks and this sort of thing complicates, you probably couldn't do it with the Matildas because the dub takes international breaks. I think using those sorts of things as a as an attraction work really well. Um, obviously, we're not going to have an Asian Cup next year, but I think those sorts of initiatives do work well. Where you know everyone is sort of united around around the Socceroos or something like that. I, I like that idea, and I, I feel for them that it yeah yeah 
I like that sort of idea and I feel like it should have worked and they're a bit unlikely that it didn't. I know a lot of people did go and find a pub and watch it together in the end. So, yeah, um, just watching from afar, that, that felt like, you know, there's some really good things about it. Vincio's just scratching in the background. Um, he's not fussed about what was happening in Sydney on the weekend, evidently. Vincio. Um, but... Yeah, I, I, it, to me, it just feels like it's one where if you can get those basics right and yeah, merch, um, the fan experience. What was it like for you guys in terms of in between games? Was there a tight turnaround? Was there a was there stuff to do, or was it just sitting and waiting for the next game? Um, it was like only a forty five minute um, break between games, which I think is actually quite comfortable because it gives you time to go to the tort hello Vincio um sorry go to go to the tort get a drink um say hello like again I tweeted about going to um the western Sydney city game was like kind of like when you pick a different elective to all your friends in year 10 because I was like oh all my friends whereas like the last two days it was like running into lots of different people from um the Woso community which was so lovely um and it's just like I do look forward to like little interstate trips for that kind of thing as well just be like hey oh yeah there hey um so Marissa and I just like between games would like do a lap I mean, I got to roll down the hill. There's always that option at Leichhardt. You can do that as many times as you want. That's basically an inbuilt activation. Um, there wasn't a whole bunch of food options, I will say that. But, um, again, that's something that you can work on pretty easily, I feel. Um, and I'm not like – there was still food, you know, that people could still eat at a reasonably affordable price. Um yeah, it wasn't too bad. We did, we have to admit, we did not stay for um, Perth Knicks, the men's game. Uh, the, I think we did our innings five games in a weekend. Uh, so we went and got dinner. But, you know, again, that's kind of the thing. We're not A-League men's fans, really, or like in the same way that we're A-League women's fans. So there's not a whole lot going to keep us in side Combank Stadium, that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, it was, I feel like the schedule on the days were Almost spot on. I get the 5 p.m. kickoff on a Friday. It could be later um, because it's 5 p.m. on a Friday. But at the same time, they're also trying to, you know, capture families and um, you don't want kids up too late or people travelling back too late. I will say that as well. Some of the transport was a bit cooked, but that's not anything that APL can do anything about. That's just Sydney trains. Um, But it. It, these are all things it's like well, it's not going to be perfect and sometimes you know even if you try really hard it's not going to hit all well, the nail on the head but yeah I think on the day yeah I hate it when it's like a just a regular double header and the gap between games just feels very tedious and I th- do think we lose people from that I think it also at the big stadium the gap between a double header is just like it's like you're sitting in front of the TV but nothing's on and it's like where at least with Leichhardt because it is that small ground, even doing a lap gives you something to do and then obviously because of what Unite Round is, it was it was like we attempted to do a lap, got stopped within like 100 metres because we ran into friends of the pod. Once we talked to them for like five, ten minutes because we were actually both desperate for a wee, 
went to the toilets, found friend of the pod Moya Dodd in the toilets. So it was like, all right, here's another 10, 15 minute like long conversation with people. Then you keep making your way around. You find other people. You stop to take a photo on the hill because it is a very picturesque little ground out at Leichhardt. So I feel like even though they're probably, not probably, there definitely should have been more stuff available to occupy that time, the suburban ground in its own kind of way did at least allow for the time to pass in a better way than it would at a, a big stadium, which we know maybe not necessarily from Unite Round, but just from years of experience um, being subjected to kind of men's and women's doubleheaders at an Amy Park or wherever it is that they get played. Um, yeah, food trucks, get more food trucks in, support local businesses, wheel them in, give people options. Like sure. there's still... There's still going to be children who want their chicken tenders and chippies from, you know, just the stadium food stand. And I'm not knocking that because there's nothing wrong with a chicken tender and some chippies. But on the Friday night, there was a, a Philly cheesesteak van at Leichhardt and then there was a little Japanese um, food truck as well. So I got the cheesesteak on Friday and I was like, oh, yeah. Saturday, I'm going to go to the, the Japanese one. I'm so excited. It wasn't there on the Saturday. So also just like making sure that these contractors are signed up for the whole weekend to make sure that, you know, people, it's a really dumb thing, but it's like I was so excited to go back the next day and try, there was like a fried chicken bowl. I'm really hungry, which is why I've started going down this road. But yeah, you know, I haven't eaten this... breakfast yet either, so we're going to have to no. pull it on the food for I know, but yeah, um, little things like that are like really easy ways just to make the experience more enjoyable. And I assume that's one of the easy fixes that the APL will implement. Like I feel like there are things that are so obvious we almost don't need to mention them because if the APL don't implement them, it's like my brother's in Christ, what were you doing? You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, as a fan, I enjoyed I enjoyed every game we went to and it helps that, you know, the dub is a chaotic league. So we had five really enjoyable games that we watched as well. But shall we move on to some actual football chat? Because as I said, we had five very interesting games um, from the weekend. We started things off with Victory and Perth playing out a 1-1 draw. The Mariners then defeated Wellington 2-1. Uh, we saw Canberra United get the win over Adelaide. Michelle Heyman hit her hundo, as we've said a couple of times now. Newcastle then beat Brisbane, which was a bit interesting, a bit how you're going. And then on Sunday we had Western Sydney beating City 1-0 and Sydney beating Western United 1-0, which is a bit of a um, interesting one if you try and say that 10 times fast. But what games stood out to you guys? What... What did we take away from this weekend? Because that it was a fun round, like beyond the actual Unite round stuff, as a round of football, it was fun. I think rather than one game in particular, what I've taken out of it is it just reinforced what we maybe thought already, that the, e that the league is a lot more even and unpredictable than in previous seasons and a combination of talent getting spread around and the longer season and that sort of thing, players leaving, players coming in, has, has enabled that. And I think the two teams... That you look at the, the Mariners have been quite impressive as a bench team, but I think the two teams that no one really expected to bounce this season are the Jets and the Wanderers. Um, Wanderers are flying, the Jets are into the top four. Um, 
And to be honest, I think both both coaches, um, like Gary Van Egmond, we have Robbie Hooker, deserve a lot of credit for the teams that um, either put together or, in Hooker's case, I know he inherited a team um, from Cat Smith, but has got them playing some really, really good football. They beat Melbourne City. Um, you just mentioned the Jets um, beating Brisbane. And it feels so open, right? Like Wanderers have got some really, really good results. They beat Victory as well. They're, they're quite um, stoic defensively is what I've found. Like early in the season, they'll maybe scoring some goals, um, but they're kind of relying on Sophie Harding scoring more than whatever the opposition could. But they've tightened up beautifully. Like they are not letting easy goals slip. Um, they pounced on a on a goalkeeper error. Um, probably the probably the low light of this round was there are two or three really bad goalkeeping turnover errors in this round. Um, but besides the point, they were they took the opportunity when it came. I understand you guys were close to the family of the goal scorer in that game, the Castors family. Um, really nicely taken goal from a young player. Um, They've just been super impressive. I think they, I know they've just re-signed Hooker for a couple more years as well, so they've clearly got some faith in what's being built there. And I don't think too many people necessarily expected this turnaround given the chaos um, that accompanied their start to the season. And then on the other side, you've got Newcastle, who I think I mentioned pre-season. It, not to go cliche and say Moneyball, but Gary Van Avon really did you know, pull together a team that was of players that you knew could do something at the level. Your, your Tash Prize, for example, um, Cass Davis obviously been there for a, for a while. Um, Libby Copas ground back in, and to be honest, the the Van e- the Emily Van Egmond signing into and you know short guesting into Serena Bolden signing has really just taken them to another level. And Bolden's absolutely flying. I think they've done a really good job of answering the question of how would they go without Emily Van Egmond. The answer is seemingly quite well. They got the kickstart they needed, and now they're they're playing some really good football. Um, yeah, I don't know. For me, that's what I've taken out of it is two teams that no one expected to really do anything this season are showing that they can go and compete. And for me, that's really exciting. I will say, yeah, like Wanderers, um, their season so far has been so intriguing. It was really, yeah, Holy Casper's family was like sat in front of us, um, which was very cute. And um I think in terms of I only realised, guys, don't judge me, like the back three that Robbie Hook is playing with at the Wanderers as well, I wonder how much that is coming into like their defensive stability. Um, Amy Harrison, very like calm head in the centre there. And once I actually picked up on it, I was paying a bit more attention to it yesterday and it's like, oh, this actually does work. And I feel like there's a bit of credit there. Um for for hooker for what he's done like the way he's made adjustments to the side because they weren't they haven't been doing that all season but um to actually yeah complement the players that they do have when you have like a a Sophie Harding but they have quite a few young players who are very much like ball want ball get ball in goal like kind of that we were talking last night Marissa about that like like striker instinct which is very exciting as well because I think they have had that in the past but they just haven't been able to unlock it in the same ways um and also I've been quite impressed by like Mariners and what Emily Husband's doing with that side I think it looks like they're very well drilled they've got a very clear game plan I don't necessarily enjoy watching Mariners as much as other teams in terms of how they play but they've got we we saw like they have such classy strikers and 
Butter Weir is having such a good season. And again, I think it's just like a a good it's good coaching and, and a, managing the squad well um, that has seen them get some good results. So yeah, it's just it's quite exciting. I feel for me the best or the most enjoyable games for this round were um, well Canberra getting the win, but I think yeah the most exciting football was probably. Not the whole of the Wanderer City game. Some of that was a little bit of a slog, but like the Mariners um, next game was very fun. And yeah, um, Wanderer City as well. Victory Perth, I got to say, was my only notes that I took at that game was both teams were bad. But I don't know if that's wholly true, but it just was not the funnest game to watch. And maybe that's just because I'm also a Buck supporter and... It's a little bit frustrating at the moment to see it's in previous seasons. I think we've lost and it's been like, we've got potential, but at the moment it feels like we're kind of scrambling in the dark a little bit to try and figure out something before it's too late. But um, Perth as well, it's interesting that they've faded a little bit, Um, but I'll be intrigued to see how they kind of go for the next, few rounds because now it's been a couple of stints of like pretty ordinary results for them so yeah I don't know did I what was the question <laughs> we're talking about who's impressed us who hasn't but I, I would like to bounce off that with victory it's been really intriguing to watch it, it does feel like they're in a bit of a hole um and I thought maybe the tide might turn once that Rachel Lowe goal went in but obviously they then had the the own goal but it feels like they just can't like they're really hanging out for Emily Gilnick to get fit and start as striker it feels like a lot of their season is really hinging on that happening um because they played Aquino early they've gone away from that Rachel Lowe's been playing a bit as the nine um and limited success I'd say I feel like they were really looking strong when they had the midfield trio of Kellen Knight um Murphy and Lowe I thought they had a nice mix of defense class you know a bit of grit and aggression in there obviously the the goal scoring runs into the box, late runs into the box that Rachel Lowe can deliver. And they, they've lost those late runs because she's obviously been playing higher up. Um, and at the same time, it feels like they've not really known what to do since they've signed Alex Chidiak, who's obviously a long-term signing for them and a key player and has been you know, the reigning Julie Dolan medalist. You, you've got to squeeze her in somewhere, right? And you've got to <clears throat> try and make that work. But at the moment, it feels a lot like and you, we know Jeff Hopkins is a great coach and they'll back him in to find what works. But at the moment, it does feel a lot like a team where you're trying to fit all your best players into an 11 and it's not necessarily working. I think losing, I think Betty Goad being away for those couple of weeks hasn't helped either. She was the one that was creating really good chances, like really clinical chances um, that her teammates really just had to tap away. And um, I think her influence and her leadership and her smarts and intelligence are really, really underrated as well as her skill. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they fit when they do get her back. Um, but it feels like at the moment, we saw last week or a couple of weeks back when um, they lost to Western United, Chidiak was thrown into the midfield and Alana Murphy was benched. And, you know, as much as Chids went on some really nice runs, it didn't work as a unit. Like it feels like they're still trying to figure out how to get all these good players in. And we saw Chidiak on the, on the left on the weekend um, you know, 
as I said, we only know she's going to do some things, but they haven't really managed to make it click and figure out exactly what that best combination is. I'm not sure if Dapolonia is the answer in that regard. Um, I think when, you know, if Go is coming back, they need to maybe tweak in that regard, whether it's Lina on the right and um, and uh, Betty Goat on the left. I, think, I do still think that a lot of it hinges on getting Emily Gilnick in as that striker um, because I felt like when they played well, as much as Aquino is maybe a, a more limited player at this level and, you know, doesn't have all the tricks, she at least gave them that structure and a player that you knew would press and a player that you knew if you had some boxes going in, sorry, had some balls going into the mixer that she'd cause a bit of chaos and have at least some striker's instincts. Um, it just doesn't seem to be working. Um and, you know, as we say, it's a good thing it's a long season because they've got a bit of time to, to work it out. But they're dropping down the table with every game that they're not figuring it out, right? Um, so, yeah, I think, as I said, a lot of it hinges on getting Emily Gilnick back starting. But she only played 15 odd minutes off the bench, so you think it's going to be a while before she's right to do that. So in the meantime, I don't know if they revert, if they change formation, if they revert back to Aquino, or if they stick with low up top. Do they try more like a front two, like... It feels like they need to get something right and the midfielders are completely clicking. They were completely overrun by Western United a couple of weeks ago. It just it just feels like off. Um, and it, But at the same time, if it makes sense, they have the quality of players and they should be able to turn it around. It's one of the most stacked squads in the league. Um, you know, by all rights, they should be right in the top two or three rather than, you know, scrapping for a spot in the six or, you know, hoping to make the top four. So... Yeah, there's room there, but they need to figure it out quickly. I'm interested to see what, what you guys think. The, the goalkeeper situation hasn't helped either. Lydia Williams uh, gone down with that ankle injury. They already had Temple now. They had to sign Newborn. They signed another goalkeeper to sit on the bench. Um, Jess Nash, we know she tweaked her knee. I'm not sure how serious that is, um, but she did miss the game on the weekend. I think they've missed her. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. They're, in one sense, their squad is so stacked, but in the other, it's, yeah, maybe the holes that are there just aren't working. Yeah, a bit bad. like the 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 conundrum since Chidiak came back to the Vuck is like she, she's sort of like her and Rachel Lowe are basically the same, and they 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 do the same things. They contribute creatively in the same spaces, and like Lowe over the start of the season with Melbourne Victory was amazing. Like probably one of the best starts to her, any Agreed. season that she's had, but now she's really faded because you know Chids has kind of come in and almost like the the gravity that Chids has is kind of like taking away from the influence that Lowe can have in the same vague kind of central attacking areas. And so like the two of them don't quite fit together. And I reckon like Canberra had a very similar issue at the start of the season when they tried to fit Kote Rojas in with Vesna Milivojevic. It's like they're just too similar. Like you, you, you kind of only can have one of them and then you build everyone else around them. But it doesn't seem like Melbourne Victory have kind of arrived to that point. I'd be curious about what, like, whether that changes with Emily Gilnick's inclusion. Because, like, if the question is, are Melbourne Victory shoving all of their best players into a team and hoping it works? Like, does Gilnick kind of just make that problem worse? I, I don't know. But, yeah, I think it's interesting with Victory just where they go. And also in that game, just Perth, like, we've had some questions about, like, Will this fade continue? Can they re-find um, their kind of 
early season groove. And I suppose the same thing applies to the Phoenix as well, because we are now over halfway through the season. So we are kind of now, um, we've completed one usual dub season and we're moving into like a second usual dub season. So it's more than enough time for teams to turn it around. But can they do it? I don't know the answer to that one. Makes it exciting though, doesn't it? Like this is this is what I loved about Unite Round was that like the vast majority of the results were like, wait, what? That happened? They beat them? Hang on, that shouldn't have happened, which is awesome. That's what you want. You don't want there to be just a galloping away top four and they're uncatchable because that's been the big problem in seasons past, right, when we've had these short dub seasons and you, you know, take a, a little longer to to start cooking at the start of the season, but by the point you've reached like your fourth or fifth game, you're so far behind that you don't have enough time to actually catch up to anybody. But now with the extended season, we're actually starting to see teams finally clicking. Western Sydney is probably the best example of that. And to some extent, Sydney FC, um, after starting from way back, starting real handicapped, and now they're actually the ones who are, um, are coming forward. So that's great. Like I, I, I want that. I want there to be competition. I want there to be shocks. I want there to be like actual drama in this stuff you know like I didn't expect there to be as much drama across the most recent round as as what there ended up being in terms of the results um and it's 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 great because that's the kind of stuff that gets people paying attention and it's the kind of stuff that gets people invested in not just their club but the whole league generally and paying attention to what's going on everywhere else speaking of drama just wanted to mention city penalty miss that was wild. That yeah. was wild. That was that was a great game. I loved it. Um, mainly because I don't like Melbourne City that much. But I'm very happy for Wanderers. I'm very ha- happy for Holly Casper's family and friends. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's and that's I've been talking with my dad about this this weekend in terms of like City probably been doing very well because they've got a quite like the strongest defense in the league. Um, whereas like that's been a a possible issue for other teams. And I think that's there's been defensive issues, I think, in our the teams we usually associate as being the strongest, like Victory had um injury issues with Checker and now they still seem to kind of be figuring out how to best go about things. Um Sydney obviously had the loss of Nat Tobin, which I think it seems like they've covered or they're they're covering pretty well in terms of that um or recovering rather is the word I'm looking for um who else has had oh Canberra just well they're not they're not in that top four kind of canon I would say but Sarah Clark has been a big difference for them but yeah uh no one uh, just everyone else no more injuries I think for any of the teams that would be nice but um the rest of the seat yeah it's looking very exciting on the topic of defences, I'm just having a look at the table now and it turns out the team that's actually the strongest defensively so far is Sydney FC. They've only conceded seven goals, whereas Melbourne City, who are in first position, have conceded 18. But the reason why they're so far in front at the moment is because they've scored a billion goals. So their their approach seems to be just score more than you concede, which I understand is the premise of football, but... Um, in the context of this kind of discussion, is like, is Melbourne City the best team? Like, they seem to be the best at scoring goals. 
um, but they're not quite the best at preventing them, which is interesting. And that game against Western Sydney yesterday, I think, was a really good example of that. Is like sometimes they are their own worst enemy. Um, like that, the the goalkeeper just passing the ball to Holly Caspers and then Caspers chipping us. Like that's that's pretty one hundred and one errors. You know, you can you can prevent that. But at the same time, they had so much possession, Melbourne City, and for a lot of it, they they didn't really do very much with it. You know, it's 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 a okay, we've spoken about this, I think, in the past with the Matildas, where there's there's possession and then there's effective possession. Like, what is it? What's the point of having you know seventy percent of the ball if you can only crack off so many shots as a result of all of that passing? Um, and full credit to Western Sydney, like I, they absolutely were set up in a way to be able to counteract um, Melbourne City's attempt to dominate the ball. Uh, they had their very quick wide players who were um, able to manipulate and, and exploit the spaces that were left in behind as a result of their kind of slower defenders as well as being in a bit of a back three. Um, and their midfield was all over it as well. Like I, I thought that was one of the best performances of the Wanderers the whole season. It was it was really smart. They worked really hard together. Um, yeah, their goal was a lucky one, but I think that they probably showed enough that they they could have probably scored on their own had the ball not just been gifted to them in that way. Um, yeah, so it's it's curious to kind of to assess all these teams at this stage. As you said, Marissa, we're kind of halfway through the season now, um, and and looking across the across the league, particularly across the top four, it's it's you know points aside, it's it's pretty tight like and at this stage any team can kind of beat any other team in probably the top six um which is amazing like that's that's and when you consider the like Newcastle Jets and the Wanderers are part of that top six as well it's like holy crap you know is is this a is this a bit of a changing of the of the guard I don't know well thing with Western Sydney as well, Sam, is they're getting reward for their defence effort. I think it's three clean sheets on the bounce. Like yeah. we were talking about them before, about how much they have tightened up and it, it's super impressive. Um, I wouldn't mind it being a change of the guard. Uh, I think what you say about Melbourne City is correct as well. I think that's been their problem for the past two plus seasons is over possession and maybe not always getting the reward. Like it doesn't pay off enough. Like... Um, their incisiveness, and they just let sloppy goals go. And that was a massive goalkeeper error, as I mentioned earlier. But um, that's been one of the the letdowns of their season to date is just letting those sloppy ones through because if you're going to let them through now, then they're probably going to pop up in finals as well, which are usually much tighter contests, not so free-flowing. You can't necessarily be a team that relies on, well, we'll just score more in finals. So, yeah, it's um, it's intriguing. Should we finish off with some Heyman Hundo chat? We should. We absolutely should. Very muted response for that. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was very fun and very cool to be in the stadium um when that happened and just even then the celebrations afterwards. Um obviously the, the ground announced announcer has grabbed her for an interview like in the middle of Leichhardt Oval. Um, she's answering the questions and then all of a sudden you just see kind of a green mass descend upon her because she's been mobbed by her teammates. Um, and it, was just, it was very joyful and very infectious and it was just a really lovely thing um, to see. Um, I'm hoping Angela will um, put it up. Yeah, there she is. Uh, they were handing out cardboard cutouts of Michelle Heyman's face. Um, so they were dotted around the stands. My favourite part of that was 
someone had one of those about like five or six rows in front of where we were sitting and the person who was holding it would twirl it around and every now and then it would have the Michelle Heyman face facing me. So I kept thinking someone was staring at me and I was like, why is this person looking at me? Like, what's their problem? And then I would look and it was a cardboard cutout of Michelle Heyman's face. Um, But um, I think the best part of the Heyman hundo is the fact that, like, by all rights, she shouldn't have hit this milestone. She literally stopped playing football for, like, a year and a half. She was like, I'm done, I can't do it anymore. So the fact that she has not only come back but has been allowed to actually um, play football and push herself to actually reach this milestone I think is just exceptionally cool. So we love a Heyman hundo. How did everyone else feel? I know we've we've all, like, we've been such long-term Heyman hashtag fans on this podcast because like it was one of our first episodes when the rumors started that she was coming back into the dub so um we always love a Heyman milestone on this pod I think what we love about Michelle Heyman is she's been such like beyond what she brings on the field is she's always been so like unequivocally herself on it and off it and been so willing to speak up in so many different ways whether it's saying that she believes she should be getting Matilda's call-ups or talking about conditions not being good. I reckon when Adelaide, when Adelaide, sorry, when Canberra had that game uh, postponed because Western Sydney couldn't find the right home ground, I reckon Michelle Heyman was the one I was seeing popping up on every Instagram post about it or just even like Vesna Milivojevic would post a photo of a goal celebration and Heyman would be popping up being like, wish we could see that this week. Like she is so like, yeah, just completely herself. She stands up for what she believes in. She's an incredible like not just role model, but person. You talk to any of her current, former teammates, anyone that's worked with her, played against her, the respect for her is, is extraordinary. The way she's managed to maintain her pace as well as a player um, into the sort of twilight years of her career. Um, you know, there's that goal-scoring instinct. She, she is like maybe one of the last few um, with some of the, you know, other sort of current Matildas that have come from that uh, that background where it was really difficult to play football and to succeed in women's football um, because he didn't have the resources, didn't necessarily have the opportunities. Um, I think she's from the Wollongong sort of area, like just has actually grounded out and made it work and then her natural talent has shone through. Um, and I think, we, Marissa, you're really good at talking about how big milestone games are and how impressive it is that players reach 100 dub games or 150 dub games. Um, I think people forget um, she had... Um, long-term injury as well, Michelle Hammond. That's why she retired. She was dealing with all these injuries and to come back and to play the way she has. And um, I think people have made a fair point when they said, you know, maybe she should have been looked at in terms of extended Matilda squads, just, um, you know, in terms of keeping that pressure on or in terms of rewarding form players. I, I think that might have passed by now. But to see her score, not just the hundo, but to do the 101st so quickly... I think just sums her up. Like you can never take too long to celebrate what she's done because she's always just eclipsing what she's always done. Um, yeah, it, it, just an incredible footballer, ambassador for the game, person um, from a media perspective has always been so open and happy to chat and willing to chat and, and as I said, stand up for what she believes in, stand up for her fellow professionals, some of whom maybe don't have the profile of her or the or the ability or um, beyond their footballing ability, the ability to, to make a stand and, uh, look after themselves and yeah 
And it, I think it's so lovely that so many of those girls have come for Canberra, the team that everyone associates her with, um, bar those stints with, you know, like Central Coast and Adelaide. It is Canberra that you think of when you think of Michelle Heyman. Um, so, yeah, I think it was. it's a shame that, as Marissa said off the top, it wasn't at McKellar Park, but at least when everyone was watching the league, everyone got to see this this moment. Um, yeah, it was awesome. I'm very jealous of you guys that you were there for it, to be honest. I... I feel like you guys have covered the importance of this moment for her. Um, but I did have a quick question for Sam and Harrow. Do you think this will we will have a dub player who will ever come close to Michelle Heyman's scoring record? Because we were chatting about this last night, Marissa and um, the one-man merch machine, and it's like the context in which she came through, like will we ever see someone like a – consistently score goals in the dub like she has because her I think that when she was her professional career has happened in such a different context but yeah I'm just interested um because who's number two Marissa is it Sam Sammy Kerr? yes I think it depends yeah. if Sammy comes back Sam. right yeah if Sam comes back she can just score at a rate of knocks but I think it's, yeah. it's yes and no right because in one way it's hard to see it happening because if you're scoring at such a prolific rate, you're probably going to get picked up by an overseas league and spend most of your best goal scoring years overseas. But on the flip side is there should actually be more opportunity for players to score a lot of goals because the seasons have been extended. Um, like when Michelle Heyman started, it's like, bloody like what, 10 game seasons or whatever, 12 game seasons. And now it's a 22 game season. So Logically, if you had an equivalent to, not to bring it back to the men's game, but if you had a player do the equivalent of what Jamie McLaren has done in the men's A-League, then, yeah, that it, it's possible. Would that player necessarily have the impact that Michelle Heyman has had? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I think it's possible to hit some of these scoring records, but I think it would have to be unique, not necessarily unique, but a, a different situation where the player um, wants to spend the majority of their career in Australia and scores a lot because of that. Um, either that or it's like score heavily at the start of your career and then maybe the tail end of your career, which is something I could see a, a Sam Kerr doing, for example. Yeah, I think like mathematically it's 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 possible. I think going forward, if once the, the dub becomes like a full-time, fully professional league, the game, like more and more games are added, blah, blah, blah. Eventually at some point in some season, there's going to be a player who, who hits the 100 goals but it's it's never going to be the same it's never going to be as meaningful it's never going to to feel as momentous or as significant as this and not just because this is the first time and there's always a sense of like it's literally historic it's literally momentous that no one has done this before but as we've been saying like it has taken her this long to get there and this is a Michelle Heyman who's been scoring fairly consistently season after season after season. You know, she's won multiple golden boots. She's won multiple MVPs. You know, she's like, she's one of the more prolific and more consistent strikers that this competition has ever seen. So the fact that she's taken this long to get it done, it, 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 is, it is in itself more impressive to me, I think, that consistency over such a long period of time. Um, considering the circumstances, I was explaining this to a friend uh, when after it happened, I was like, this is actually extraordinary because when you think about the circumstances in which Heyman has scored these goals, 10-game season, 12-game season, 12-game season, 12-game, like 
that's not a lot of time to rack up these kinds of numbers. So that takes real like ongoing longevity and real commitment as well, I think, to this competition. And like, yes, while it's amazing that we've got so many players who are being snapped up by overseas clubs after having, you know, a couple of good seasons in the A-League women's, I, I still really value and really respect people who stay here, who really believe in this league and who really fight to, to give this league relevance and to make people pay attention. And I think that Michelle Heyman is part of a group of players who, like, yeah, she had like a six-month stint over in Denmark. She had a little bit of time over in the USA. But her her entire club football career has been defined by Australia. And that's why I love her so much And because she loves this league and she loves women's football here and she has used her entire career to advocate for that. And so by doing this hundo, it's kind of like, we, we actually get an opportunity to really acknowledge that and to acknowledge her and all of that effort that she has put in over season after season after season. Um, I would be thrilled if she retires at the end of this year because, like, it's she can keep going. She's an incredible athlete. I'm sure she'll, she'll be in conversations with Canberra going forward. But, like, if she were to round it out now, I think it would just be – it would be perfect because she has done everything that she could – I think to to bring to to bring this league on the her own shoulders into this kind of new new era where hopefully there is going to be a player who overtakes her because it means that she has got the league to a point where they can. I would love to hear Angela just a personal reflection from you because Canberra United is your team and Michelle Heyman and her exploits have been a huge part of your like growth and interest in women's football. Um, as a supporter, as now someone on the podcast, like I imagine Heyman would have been like from those early Canberra United dynasty days, like she would have been the constant, right, for your experience in women's football. I'd, I'd love to hear what this moment meant for you and being there. I feel, yeah, it's, it's a bit like being Mort. Uh, I always use this reference. Is that like, but actually, you can't be Mort with Michelle Heyman because everyone loves her. So, for context, Mort is the little the little guy in Madagascar who's like, I love her. I love her before any of you love them. I was like, yeah. But like, I, she was my first kind of like the first player when I was like engaging with the Tillies and with Cambria United that I was like, oh my God, she's amazing. And it's like obvious because she is incredible and she's got that star quality as a striker and she gets the goals in and so she was doing that when I was a teenager and she's still doing it now which is incredible and I think um yeah I it, like somewhere in my box of like memorabilia I have her like autograph somewhere from when I and that was from when I first started doing football media I kind of eased off being a, a fangirl because I didn't want to it's a weird juxtaposition because you get to see people as just like they're footballers and they're, they're people but a friend of mine like I was like oh my god Michelle Heyman and she was like come on we're gonna say hello come on yeah yeah and like forced me to like talk to her and get her autograph and I was like what 21 it's maybe a bit 12 but anyway it's just like she has that effect and so I'm really just yeah very very much so stoked for her and it's so nice to see in a lot of ways I feel like there are she's had to overcome a lot as a player. So to have, when she did retire, it felt like it wasn't, it was about the injuries, but I think there was also like, she'd kind of been out of Matilda's conversation 
and to uh, there's been some things that I feel like maybe she hasn't been able to live up to the potential of what she could have at the international level and that makes me really sad but I think also like the fact that she's been in this like context of Canberra and she's had this career and she's getting this recognition is also like really beautiful as well like unfortunately that's just like what happens with some athletes careers it just some things don't go the way that you would hope that they do due to injury or selection or moves that don't work or whatever it is but for Michelle Hyman I think it's like we will be able to look back on her career with just like a lot of joy I think that's kind of what defines her career so yeah and it was just like what seeing the photos of the moment of like Nikki Flannery like holding her face it's just like it makes me it was making me cry or the other day looking at it so yeah congrats to her it's fantastic um and for me I don't know it's it's just like fangirling as per the constant so yeah go McKelly yeah we loved it we absolutely loved to see it um shall we begin to wrap this thing up no boot this week or has something happened? I don't know. I don't recall. No, my, my perspectives are very shifted after the Sam Kerr ACL. I have no time for trivial boots. <laughs> Sorry, that's very funny. Um, no Size boots. 10 boots only. Size 10 boots only. You know what? It's not a bad rule. Um, but are there any how goods to just continue the, uh, the warm, fuzzy feelings to end this episode? Yeah, uh, my how good this week uh, comes from the Women's Super League. Um, anyone who's been paying attention knows that Katrina Gorry recently signed for West Ham and one of the best things I think that has come out of West Ham social media is that everyone is on board with Harper Gorry. Harper Gorry is the new superstar of West Ham, uh, uh, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, I'm, I've loved so much um, a lot of the videos that have been coming out involving Katrina Gorey's daughter, uh, especially like giving her like what I assume was just a phone and just letting her like run around the training base, taking videos of herself and, and other people. That's good stuff. That's exactly the kind of shit that we want to see, you know, like uh, not just because it's fun and it's different, but also because it shows that West Ham is clearly a club culture that, encourages this kind of um this kind of involvement of players as people players as mothers players as part of families like that's that's so important I think Katrina Gorey has like has spoken really eloquently about this in the past about how she's become a better footballer because her footballing environments have become so much more accepting and supporting of her as a mother so it's really great to see that this is starting from the very very beginning with her career at West Ham um, she got her her first start of her first appearance rather for the club um, overnight in the FA Cup. Um, uh, yeah, first so yellow I'm, card as well. First so yellow card as well. So I was like, "There's a high chance. There's a high <laughs> chance." Yep. Okay. Go, Mimi. Classic Gory. Uh, yeah. So I've just loved seeing um, seeing how the the whole club has sort of gotten around the fact that she's not just a great footballer, but she's also a mum, and really incorporating that into the way that they've marketed all this stuff. It's, it's yeah, it's awesome. How good. The other how good there was also that uh, Charlie Grant was announced as a Tottenham player, which was very exciting. Uh, for those of you who 
follow the pod, you know now that Redacted FC is actually Tottenham. Um, no, so it was awesome. It was very cool to see both Gorry and um, Charlie Grant move over. And someone pointed out that uh, Katrina Gorry and all her kids have been reunited in London, which is very sweet. So obviously Harper, Charlie and Kyra Cooney Cross sprinkled across London. So very exciting and very big how good. Do we have any others? I was... Um... Digging through, I was trying to find when um, Women's African Cup of Nations is going to happen this year, and I just came across an article on, um, like, the African Federation's website. So in Sierra Leone, they ran a coaching course in, um, what's the, I have to bring up the article to get my terminology right, but basically they they ran an all-women's coaching course in um, a prison in Sierra Leone, Leon, um, the federation there, and it's the first time that's ever happened in the world to have um, that happen in like a coaching course happen in a correctional facility. So it's it's really interesting and like definitely made me think. And it's like yeah, coaching does provide you with like it's part of like a rehabilitation program that they're doing. But yeah, it was just like kind of like huh, interesting, nice one. So. Um, yeah, that's a that's a how good people thinking outside the box and doing things differently and um, bringing the kind of skill sets and things that coaching can give you to like different places is very cool. Um, it makes and it makes a lot of sense once you think about it. So yeah, how good? Hundred percent. Also, at Wafcon, we don't know when the dates are, so. <laughs> and we don't know when the dates are going to be. But anyway, we'll let you know when we know. Oh, WAFCON. One final quick how good from me. Uh, it's a shout-out to friend of the pod, Andrew, who came up to Angela and I at Leichhardt and said hello, was a big fan of the pod, told us he likes to go on a run and listen to us while he's running. So uh, shout-out to Andrew. Thanks for saying hello. Thanks to everyone who simply ever said hello to any of us. It is genuinely the best. So a very big how good. But this is a very chunky episode and it is done now because – Cool mama. Um, thank you as always though for tuning in. As always, we're over on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple, all of your usual pod spots. If you like what we do, make sure you subscribe and leave a little review if you like what we're doing. Uh, as always, we're over at the Far Post Pod on all social media. So we're up for a chat about your takes on Unite Round um, and what you think about you know the dub now that we're halfway through the season. So Always up for a chat over there. But until next time, slayers.